know, it's, it's interesting. Um, we're Josh, as in Sizemore over here, and I are kind of collaborating right now on a word. Uh, I mean, it, not in the sense that we've spent any time together talking about it, <laughs> but um, Josh wrote a song back when he was in uh, when he when he was in Eagles Nest in the Regent program called Hollywood's Clown. This was a phenomenal song, and in the not too distant past, uh, working with Joe and Angie Caldwell, they put to, which is they have a a ministry called Rocket Circus. And just a little bit of still of an echo, Daniel, if you could help me out just a little bit. Uh, but anyway, they uh, had shot a video, an incredible music video of Hollywood's Clown. And so I was actually kind of wanting honestly to show it today, but it was, it's not God's timing. It's, it's just truthfully, it's too good. The whole word needs to be about the concept that's communicated in the video. And so I'm going back and just trying to hear what the Lord's saying about that. And I think it's for even uh, later on in probably the beginning of September, and I asked him if I could actually literally use the title from the song as the title for the word. So expect to hear a word uh, in about a month called Hollywood's Clown. Anyway, but I said all that just to say this, that last night I was up at 3.30 watching the video again. Then I ended up watching Josh's testimony that, again, uh, Rocket Circus had shot not uh, two months ago. Uh, for region graduation, and it was just the first of many testimonies that will be communicated in, in video. We need to put that up on our website, and I'll make sure that that happens this week. We need to get that testimony up, and it will point you back to the website for Eagle's Nest, which is also very important. We're just blessed to have these guys. So the region band was playing this morning, but awesome, by the way, awesome. Appreciate those guys. You're going to see a lot more of them. But it was, it was just for me, I just wanted to say this for Josh and Stella, just celebrating your life. was just It was powerful for me this morning to get a chance to do that, just to, to celebrate their life. And it, because their story is our story. Just the beauty of, of redemption and the way that God has walked in grace with them and in their lives and the beautiful uh, life that they have together because of the greatness of who God is. and Just beautiful people. Anyway, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago today... I shared a word after I had just gotten back. So if I had just gotten back from uh, Southern Africa, several of us had just gotten back from Southern Africa, and I shared a word with you called uh, "If you seek me, you will find me." And then we were just talking about, man. I mean, if someone goes looking for God, you know, the the power of the whosoever will clause. That that's his heart. To know that it's the heart of the Father that everyone have an opportunity. In, and I would say this with. Um, trepidation, because I think that, that his heart is way more than this, but that everyone should get to hear at least once. But, but I mean, his heart is, is so much more than that they would get to hear the truth of the gospel once. But, but there's so many people who haven't heard it all that on some level I have a sense of obligation to say that those folks ought to get to hear, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but that there's this reality that when someone really has to reckon with who he is and the love of Jesus... It is destined to have an impact. When the Word of God says that the Word of God does not return void, the Word that doesn't come back void is the truth of who He is and how much He loves us. I mean, seriously, when you get to tell someone that the Creator of every, everything loves them personally that much, that is impactful, period. If you seek me, 
you will find me. Jesus said that. Anyway, I regress. Or I digress. Sorry, that was seven weeks ago. That led us into a word about the gospel. The power of the gospel. Because I got excited about that, just like I just did. Actually, must have been authentic. Um, and we talked about the power of the gospel and the person of the gospel. That the gospel isn't uh, somehow autonomous. It is, uh, but rather it is... It is a personal connection to and actually resonates from and is, in fact, Jesus. I mean, there's a person of the gospel. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we talked about the person of the gospel. That led us in, though, to the 4th of July where we talked about being freedom fighters. We wanted to take that word about the gospel because we're, we're talking. I'm, I'm advocating. I'm still advocating for the gospel. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that again this morning. And I'm advocating for the gospel and the God of the gospel. And so I did that on the 4th of July in the context of, hey, you know, freedom fighters and appreciate our founding fathers and forefathers and what that meant and still do. Appreciate those that even now fight for freedom around the globe. And true story, have a definitive appreciation for folks that have fought for freedom and still defend it to this day. And But more than that, those that fight, fought for and fight for Freedom in the eternal sense, the spiritual sense. Freedom fighters, people like the Apostle Paul, or of course the ultimate freedom fighter, Jesus Christ himself, who took what the enemy intended for harm, the cross, and turned it on him and dealt him the ultimate blow, right? And so we talked about that. And in fact, came back and did that two weeks in a row. Freedom fighters, freedom fighters. Freedom fighters are fighters. Freedom fighters are, are free. And so we were talking that second week which was now four weeks ago, a lot about how freedom fighters are free. And in that word, I talked about what sometimes we perceive to be freedom isn't really freedom. That we've kind of been, not kind of, but that we've been often, we've been lied to. We've been lied to. And so we will think that, man, we're really free. We're free. We, we really, we were happy in worship or we did our thing or, you know, we don't have to go to hell. And so, and that's good news, by the way. I don't want to uh, minimize the significance of getting to spend eternity with Christ. So that's the big kahuna awesome thing. But, but sometimes we, we've, we're just banking on some future reality when the truth is we're meant to be free right here, right now. And so, and you know, but we'll get even, we'll get into comparison and we'll put judgments on other people because we'll see someone who obviously is not free because they're in a supermax or they're in solitary. So we're still in the prison yard, but somehow we feel good about our situation because we're not that guy, you know. How did he get, boy, he must have done something really bad. Meanwhile, we're in a prison yard, so we talked about that. And then we maybe, perchance, we see someone, though, that, that realizes that they don't have to live in the prison yard, that the one the sun sets free is free indeed, and we see them go free. And so I simulated for you, don't worry, this is a part of today's word. It's not just a grand recap. This is the introduction. And it, it is in our time frame accounted for with about 20% of what I have to say. So relax, we're good. But but I simulated that that would be like, and so we're hearing someone goes free, and they, they get out, you know, they, they realize that they don't have to live there, and it's not a work release program, they don't go out and come back, I mean, they just straight up gone, you know what I'm saying? Free. And so I, there they go, and we're in here, and we're like, where are they going? Hey, what's that guy doing? How did, who said he could get out? Where did, how did he get out there? And I ran over, look at that guy, where's he going? Where's that guy going? And 
we talked a bit about that, and then I was kind of simulating. You know, so we're over there, and we're like, I'd like to be free. Can I go out there? We're like, and then almost afraid to be free, right? Till at one point we're like, and we just leave the prison behind. You know what I'm saying? Free. So then the last couple of weeks, Rick really dealt with the reality of that. How does that become reality? How do we walk in that kind of freedom? Because there is this place where we've hoped to be free, we've wished to be free, but somehow we find ourselves still significantly shackled. What does that look like? What are some of the lies that we've believed that have caused us to not be free? So the last two weeks, some of the most incredible teaching I've ever heard on Long Grace, honestly, in tremendous metaphors. Matt props to Rick, man. Those are some powerful analogies and metaphors. Last week specifically and particularly, and some of you are thinking, some of you who were here are thinking, geez, dude, are you going to reteach that word? No, not actually. And others of you are thinking, ah, I should have been here the last two weeks. Neither of you should be afraid in this moment. A, I'm not going to reteach the word. And B, hey, you caught a break because both of those words are presently online under podcast at dpnrv.org. And if you haven't heard Rick's teachings on Long Grace, I would strongly suggest that you go listen to those in their entirety. And, and maybe even if you did, as I said before, you know, get your journal out and take some notes because it's a lot of info. In a short period of time, it is worth, it is worth the investment. But, but last week in this second service, Robbie and Noah helped Rick out with a, a metaphor. And literally in that, uh, Rick made the point that if we walk under the law, we talked about the last two weeks, three different laws. The law of sin and death, which doesn't ever make anyone free. <laughs> okay, FYI. The law of Moses which was meant to point out, right, the big L's and little L's of life, the do's and the don'ts, the parameters that would create for us a sense of safety but never uh, cause us to actually be free. Okay? They can't make you free, but the law of Moses was meant to help us understand what was damning and damaging. And it's important. If The law is good if used lawfully. But if we focus on the accomplishment of the law, then that becomes for us a bondage and will invariably, in in fact, entice the flesh to sin. But when we walk, as Rick illustrated, in a place of relationship with our Father and literally in a place of surrender to Him, a trust, a a leaning back into who He is, uh, to use my phraseology, then we step in faith and love, faith and love. But literally what he illustrated was Noah. Good job, Noah. Stood, that ain't going to work for much longer either because he's about to be bigger than you. I'm just going to point that out. But um, Noah was standing on Robbie's feet. And so it was actually the father, right, who was making and taking the steps. The necessary part for Noah was to lean into, to trust, to rest in his father. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'll never forget it. Impactful for me. The truth of that. I want to point you just quickly for today's text to Acts chapter 22, verse 27. And we're really going to focus a lot also just to reconnect quickly with Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. But I just want to point you to a story in Acts chapter 22 uh, where the Apostle Paul had been um, 
He had been arrested by the Romans um, because the Jews were frustrated with him for teaching Jesus. This is late in Paul's time on earth. Now, remember, Paul was once Saul, the greatest, again, uh, persecutor of the early church, who, when he met Jesus, became the greatest missionary evangelist right in the history of the church, a person of significant impact. That's Paul, and a follower of Jesus, and someone who, who I believe understood uh, the value of the freedom that he had been given. I want you to hear that phrase that I just said, that I believe that Paul understood the value of the freedom that he had been given. And so here's Paul. Paul was, I mean, he was telling it. He was preaching it, teaching it, even when he was being arrested. You know, he was actually escorted, standing. The scripture tells us in Acts 22 that standing on the steps of, of the building, the facility that he was about to go in and, and uh, have his case heard, he had an opportunity to speak and to teach and to preach Jesus. And then he was taken away and he was beaten. They were kind of trying to just punish him a little before the trial. They were kind of beating a bit of a confession out of him. And then he just mentioned, like the way he just mentioned, that he was a Roman citizen. No! That's a huge gig on the dude with the whip, right? Because you're not supposed to be beating a Roman citizen, certainly without him having had a hearing. And so he runs and tells the captain, and he's freaked out. So he comes back, and he's trying to, he's inquisitive. He's trying to say, you know, I think he was probably testing him a bit, or he really is. And he said, listen, I think he was trying to say to him, listen, I don't know if I really believe you're a citizen, because maybe Paul didn't look like he had a lot of money or something, you know. Because he said to him, it cost me a lot of dough. By, at great expense, I purchased my citizenship what he said to him and Paul said oh that's great verse 22 I was freeborn that is to say I was born a citizen and church that's our destiny that's what I'm trying to get to today and I want us to talk a bit about what it looks like to live life on the outside as a freeborn citizen of the kingdom of God we, we didn't earn it we didn't buy it we were gifted and given it by the God who Gave it. We're freeborn. That's our destiny. Romans 8, 1 and 2 were really important passages for us the last two weeks. And I'll just mention them somewhat briefly. And But essentially, um, in Romans 8, sheesh, I know I just can't, I can never get away. It's like the greatest chapter. They're all great. Ugh. I always say that and then I don't know what to say. But I, Romans 8, I'm really fond of, Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've ever heard the theological concept of justification, it is that. It is that in that while we were still sinners, great to have Dan Latch on his house, in that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He justified us. We did nothing to earn it. Again, a gift that he gave it's the justification. It comes, important to see this, that it wasn't, we weren't gifted, we weren't justified because we chose to walk in freedom, but we were able to walk in freedom because we were justified. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, period. Bam. Then he goes on to say, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, the law of Moses, you know, was, was helpful in a sense. It helped us know what we should flee from, right? 
But when we then would be weary, we still couldn't get away. I mean, it was good and it was, it was helpful. But the intention was always to apply grace to it. Grace and mercy, even for the Josephs of the world who, who, who made a great choice and decision and was, I, I have no doubt, empowered by God to run away from, from Potiphar's wife. I mean, there was still a place where the law, again, when used wisely, worked. But at the end of it, it, was, it is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That makes us free. So verse 1, justification. Verse 2, sanctification. In that next, next act, that great theological reality is that God sanctified us or separated us from our sin. That's great stuff. But it's when we take steps of faith and love. Faith and love. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. Rick talked about Acts 6.17 and obedience that comes not again out of duty, but because of a sense of destiny. An obedience that comes from the, Paul wrote, heart. Comes, or Luke wrote, but it comes from the heart. Right? Great grace. Faith and love. We say it like this around here sometimes, that love is the message and grace is the language. And when we walk in that place of leaning back in our Father and we're taking those steps of faith and love, we are free. We are free. One of the best examples I've ever experienced of this was uh, years ago, probably around 94 or 95. We were on campus at Louisiana Tech, and we used to set up a table. Some of you would have heard this story. We, we would do these tables on campus, and we would basically, they were living posters, but we would put some books on the table. We would have some cool, like, light literature that was deep and meaningful, like maybe Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis or or Surprised by Joy, or just various different books. There's a J. Oswald Sanders book that we used to give away a lot called uh, The Joy of Following Jesus, but it's a deep book on the Lordship of Christ, so don't be tricked by the cover. It's for real, for real. And, but, but we would do that, and we would talk to people. And we were out there, and, and, Jake, and Jake and Isaac always tagged along, which was great. It, it made it possible for me to really be... Uh, Friendly and connected with guys and girls, but the kids kind of gave me a safe spot. You know, I was clearly a dad and that kind of thing. And, and they were also good at connecting with people. And there was one day we used to sit up in the student center and to get past where we were or to go to the smoking porch you had to get past where we were. There was a place there where students and employees were allowed to go smoke a cigarette. And there was this one lady that would consistently come by the table. And one day we were out there and Jake said, hey, dad. Now, he's probably four years old. He says, Dad, can I go give that lady some of our stuff? And I said, sure, dude. That'd be awesome. So I'm watching. I mean, this is cool for me. So I'm watching Jake, and he, and he gets the book. I think he took Surprise by Joy. And he goes over to her, and, and he starts his conversation. And it was beautiful. He's talking to her, and, and they're connecting. And she wasn't someone that was a part of the world that he lived in. She wasn't a demographic that he consistently related to. We hung out with college students. She was older. She wasn't someone that racially he had had much of an option. She was like a she was Hispanic lady. And so he's over there connecting with this lady. And 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 honestly, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, her eyes were full of water, and it was it was deep and real and connected. And I was amazed. And we went home. And later that night, we lived in a we lived in an upstairs apartment, literally a converted attic in a house 
that we had two stories below or a story below us and houses next to us. We had a fraternity house across the street here and here and across the backyard there. And it was a miracle every day that I woke up that Karen let me live. I mean, honestly, we had 19 students living with us in three houses that we rented at the time. I mean, it was crazy, front line, real deal, all day, every day. Try to fight the devil off of folks, Jesus ministry. And we're trying to raise our kids in that. And I was just tired. Probably 9 o'clock. We didn't have bedtimes, man. We just fell asleep. And eventually, right? But I was laying on the couch, and I was just desperately tired, and Jacob comes toddling in there. And he's like, hey, Daddy. And I was like, hey, son. And he says, you know, that uh, I gave that lady that book earlier today. And I said, yeah, that was awesome. And he said, you know why I did that? He's four years old. I said, why did you do that, Jacob? And he said, because Jesus loves me. He didn't say because Jesus loves her. Or because God so loved the world. Or and the great theological truth to share with me. He just simplistically said because Jesus, because he got it. Because for him, faith and love led to freedom and obedience. I don't think he's in here right now, so maybe I can say this, but he still lives that way. I mean, the good news is, church... We've been made free, free to flee, but more than that, free to follow. I mean, the law of Moses was a revelation of wrong and right, but it didn't give us the grace that gives us the power, the might to fight. You know what I'm saying? John Bunyan said it this way. I love this poem that John Bunyan wrote, the author of A Pilgrim's Progress. But he said this, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. Better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly. It gives me wings. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We have the power to flee, and it comes from the decision to pursue. This is where I'm trying to get. Are you listening to me this morning? When you make the choice to follow Jesus... When you make the choice to take steps of faith and love and faith and love and to lean into who he is and to follow him in, in whatever it is that he has for you 24-7 to live that life, that God-connected life. When you pursue him in that way, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, a lot of twos, he said this. He said, flee uh, youthful lust or passions and pursue righteousness and faith. And peace and love. See, it's when we choose to pursue, right? The, again, the analogy that's been used the last couple of weeks is that that when we run into Jesus, He's over here, right? Or we can make Him. And and when the law, the big and little L's, it becomes more about the focus is on Him when we pursue. Now, if we're just trying to flee. Holy smokes, we can't. It's a maze that we cannot master. But when we get our eyes on Him, when it is a pursuit, yeah, in the process of pursuing, we, we happen to be fleeing. But we're not running from. 
We're running too. That's obedience from the heart. Paul knew and understood. I believe that. I believe Paul knew and understood the source of his obedience was the source and meaning of life. Back real quickly to Romans 8, 2. The spirit of, hear this word, life. God's plan for you is life. Real life. Outside the walls. Beyond the walls. Life. There's three kinds of law. There's one kind of life. And that's life in Christ. The interesting thing about the word life, it's found in the New Testament over a thousand times. The word life and live. And in a lot of references, it is a reference to eternal life or abundant life. But that's so much more than a, a, a timeline delineation. It's, it's a life that starts now and lasts forever. That's for sure the truth. But it is an abundant life or a real deal life. And it's not the life that everybody experiences. Not even everybody in the church Van Gogh said this. He said, I've been deemed, and I believe justly, one of, the fort, one of fortune's favorites. Yet as I look back on my life, I cannot recall more than three weeks of positive happiness in the whole. That's sad. Dew was divine designed. Expressly built and created by his father. They're meant to be free. Paul, on the other hand, was once Saul. He was off point in a serious, serious way. But he had this experience on the road to Damascus where he met Jesus. And that changed everything. So that he was able to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Look, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And I'm not, pardon my uh, paraphrase, I'm not messed up about it. <laughs> he said, because in the, in the end of it, I know this, that. My time on planet earth, I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, and I have finished my course. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. So much so was Paul convinced that this was true. That what Jesus said was so in John seventeen three. This is life that they know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. He was so certain that Jesus was the source and center of his life that he was able to say in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, For me to live... Y'all still with me? He said, for me to live is Christ. To die is a gain. I, let's just focus on the first, first part, though. That, but that, can, can you just smile for a second? That's an amazing statement. Paul got it, church. For me to live is Christ. If I live, it's Christ that lives. When I live, it's not me living. It's Christ. What's God? That's God's business. If, if I die, that'll be great for me. But if I live, it's His deal. For me to live is Christ. It's His call. That, to me, looks like ridiculous freedom. If I'm going to be alive, it's going to be all God. I ain't playing it any other way. What he said. For me to live, it's Christ. I said to you earlier, or sorry, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
justification. Just to finish a little theological lesson, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, right? Because the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set, me, set us free from the law of sin and death. That would be sanctification. What Paul's talking about here in Philippians 1.21, that would be consecration. His life was so in Christ. It is what he said in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is what we sang in the last song that we sang. I surrender my hands and my feet. Lord, I surrender. Justification. Sanctification. We do have a part in this, though. And it is a grace in and of itself, but it's still a grace for us to choose. And we get to choose it, the consecration. I surrender. I separate myself to Him. I want to be lost in Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. <gasps> I still breathe in and out. Yet not I. Mm. Christ lives in me. That's life on the outside. That's freeborn. That's when we walk not in what we do out of duty, but because of destiny. Jesus, the source and center of life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am life. Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 4, Christ who is our life. And 1 John 5, 12, John said, He that has the Son has... Note the theme. As life. Not only is he the center, the source, he is the director. He's the Lord. That act of consecration, that separation, that's what Peter was talking about when Peter said, Consecrate Christ as Lord in your heart. You choose that. You choose to consecrate Christ as Lord in your heart. That's a choice you get to make. I think Paul must have made it so that he was able to say, probably my second most quoted passage of Scripture in dwelling place after Romans 8.28 is Acts 17 where the Apostle Paul said, It is in him that we live and we move and we have our being. Complete. In Christ. That's why Paul was able to say to the Philippians from a Roman prison in chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. John Martin McMillan has an incredible song. I don't know if you would have heard it, but you should check this out. they got a thing called iTunes. If you're not on there, pray about it. I ain't trying to sell iTunes, but this song right here, though, is worth the download. John Mark McMillan uh, and it's called Carbon Ribs. Carbon Ribs. And he says in this song, some of the song I'm still trying to figure out, just to be honest. But this part of this course I love. He says, because I'm a dead man now with the ghost who lives within the confines of these carbon ribs. And one day when I'm free, I will sit at your side. I'm thinking that day's now. That's part of the song I'm still trying to figure out. There's a time coming. Y'all know how I feel about that. There's a time coming, and now is. There's a time coming. It's right now. I'm going to wait on some stuff. I ain't trying to wait on that. 
That happened already, y'all. I said that happened already, but there's a there's a ghost that lives inside. His first name is Holy. Let's toss that out there. You know what I'm saying? And Paul recognized. Paul had this recognition that he was the center, the director, the Lord of his life. Man, we went to see this week, me and Isaac and Jacob, we went to see Captain America. Whew, man, it was almost completely good. And then in the last like three minutes, if you hadn't seen it yet, I'm just going to tell you to leave early. If you know Marvel Comics, you know the Captain America story, so I apparently didn't read that book. Uh, I don't think I've ever read a comic book in my life except maybe uh, Jughead or something. But anyway, it really was it was a good it was a good movie, but it, it didn't end the way I wanted it to, and so I was determined to see if there was a last scene. You know how they hide those scenes after the credits? I was determined to see if they were going to redeem that thing somehow, man. I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" And the credits. Have you ever stayed for the credits? Man, I could have ate another bucket of popcorn, y'all. Seriously? They had a credit for the backup painter. I ain't trying to disown painters. Those are important people, man. But the backup painter? I don't even know if he painted anything, man. The backup painter. He was apparently paid. Along with about a million other people. Man, they're going to get to the end of our life one day when they roll the credits. There'll only be one name. The author and the finisher of our faith. Paul knew that. The center, the source, the director, the Lord. Maybe we don't always live like this is true, but it's true. It's all Jesus. Life on the outside, freeborn living. Almost finished. Freeborn, living free. I think the question, the only question then becomes this, will we? Will we? Again, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to the words on, on law and grace. Because there's critical foundational teaching that, that moves us to that point. In, it, it is a regenerative process of walking in faith and love and believing in who He is. At the end of it, though, it is the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free. And the question becomes, will we live life on the outside? Will we do this thing? And there's a world that needs to know. And I want to apologize again for contending for the gospel. Ultimately, that's what I'm doing here. That's even what this word is about for me. It is saying that each of us has a place in this that is it's visceral, it's... It's powerful, it's important, it's purposeful. I don't want to be Vincent Van Gogh. If i got to choose, I choose Paul. I, I, I've said before, I don't want to get to the end of my life here on this little ball of dirt. And as someone said, figure out that the only thing I did was collect green pieces of paper with the pictures of dead presidents on them. And in fact, in my case, if that's what I've been doing, I haven't been doing it very well. Be honest. The shooting straight right now. I'm going to be in a bind, y'all.
But if it is about what I know it is about. The question becomes, will we? I was having a conversation with a a good friend this week. A guy who's planted two of the most effective churches that I'm familiar with. And he stepped into a regional leadership role and... And he really has a heart to try to turn this thing called the church. You know what I'm saying? So he's preaching somewhere different every Sunday, and he's doing that thing. And, and I love his heart. And, and he was asking me, you know, we were just chatting, and he said, you know, I want to hear what you think about this. And I know you've done this thing where you were in a different church. And, you, and he said, can we do this? Can it happen? Can the church live out? Can the people? I, I mean, we, we were pondering the question, what if 20 or 30 percent, just 20 or 30 percent of real deal believers became effective in living out their freedom and their faith? What would that look like? And we kind of got a little stoked. You know, we were 20 or 30 percent. I mean, what would that even how What would we do with the buildings we have? Because they wouldn't be big enough. And in our case, we just keep planting more churches because I'm. I'm busy on this building, y'all. I don't want to build a new one. I'd rather just keep sending people somewhere else. I'm serious. I want to be a part of a movement of thousands and thousands of people. I don't think they all have to stay here to make me feel happy. Just saying. But we were just saying, can this happen? And he he asked me straight up, he said, can it happen? I mean, can we ever change the culture? Because we both agreed that there has to be a cultural shift. And I, I had to pray a quick Mark 6 prayer. I said, Lord, help my unbelief right now. I mean, to be honest. And I told him, I said, well, I hope so. Then I tried to remember what the Word says about the latter-day rain. And I was like, well, that stuff's going to be stout. And I told him, I said, you know, i got a feeling it's kind of like a train, like a big locomotive. It's hard to get that thing moving. It takes a lot of power. It takes a lot of force. But when it gets going, I dare the devil to try to stop it. Go ahead and stand in front of a slow-moving train. You still get ran over. I don't care if it's crawling. It's fixing to hit you. Some of you are saying, but I'm not a preacher, you know, so I'm not completely sure how this applies to me. Well, I submit to you that Monday through Friday hold far more storytelling potential than we could ever hope to have on Sunday. And in fact, if you are silent, then the voice of the gospel goes silent, and the power of the promises are empty. I was listening to a cool song this week. It's old school. I backtracked a little bit. Oh, Robbie, don't start playing just yet, but be ready. This is old Jeff Moore tune, right? Jeff Moore in the distance. And then the song. I mean, I was feeling this. I'm trying to drive home from that meeting, and this song was just in me. And it's just, I will live to tell of the one who has rescued my heart. I will live to tell, taking my life and let it be, know that one, a reflection of you for the whole world to see, God is alive and well, I will live to tell.
I tell a story. Y'all go ahead. Approximately five times per year. Here. <laughs> About a little boy. I was reminded of it this week because we are, um, got again, DP Kids, VBS. We were going to knock some doors yesterday. It, uh, we, we had some real bad timing, so we're still going to do that, though, by the way. If you want to knock some doors in some area neighborhoods, I'm going to do it because I enjoy doing it. Invite some kids to VBS, but it thundered in lightning yesterday in the most horrendous way, in the most inopportune time. Uh, be that as it may, though, we used to, I used to do that as a youth pastor years ago. I used to go, and, and then I would knock doors and invite folks to Super Church. We did a thing on Saturdays, and then I would drive the big yellow school bus back into the neighborhoods and load it up with folks and... It fit me, just saying. Big yellow school bus, it fit me. And I heard a story about a guy that was doing the same thing, only he would invite kids to Sunday school on a Sunday morning. And he realized that there was a few houses just like literally under the shadow of the steeple that they had never, uh, they had never knocked to those doors for whatever reason. They had missed those houses. And so he decided, you know, he was going to, like they had, they had gone out and done their thing, and he had come back and was about to go home. And he thought, you know, I'm going to hit those houses. I always think I'm going to do that. So he, he was walking up to one house that was literally within, you know, just a stone's throw from property. And there was a little boy sitting out front. He had consistently seen a couple of little boys out there. Go ahead and play, man. And so he had walked out there and, uh, yeah, just keep her down a little bit so I don't have to shout out. But he, he was walking up there and... Um, Little boy was sitting out there, and he said, "Excuse me, son, could I speak to your parent?" And he said, "Well, uh, they're not home." And he said, um, "Well, can I speak to whatever adults around the house?" Because this kid looked to be about 11. And he said, "Well, um, it's just me and my brother." And the brother was younger than than he was. And he said, "Well, when will they be back?" And he said, "Well, they come back on Monday." This was Saturday, so he was like, "What?" And he realized that these kids were, as they say, latchkey kids. They were left at home quite a lot, apparently, by themselves. As he did a little bit of research there in conversation, that was a common thing. And he told the little boy, he said, well, I came so I could invite you to church. And the little boy said, church? Oh, man, I've never been to church. And he said, no, seriously, you never, no, I've never been to church, mister. And he said, well... He just began to tell him what church was about. Church is, what is church, you know? So he started telling him what church was about. Church is families and people and, you know, coming together and we come because of God. And he started to explain to him and right there he was able to share the message of Jesus, the free gift of grace, and lead in a simple child prayer this 11-year-old boy to Jesus. Stop the story there, it'd be a great story. Just saying. His favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. Hello. I said his favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. Just say it. He said, I'm, he invited the little boy, he said, you know, I was going to ask you if you want to go to church tomorrow. And he figured, hey, you know, I mean, they run all over the neighborhood. Why couldn't they come to church? So he said, listen, I'll, I'll meet you and, and we'll just walk across the street and so the next morning, he brought the little boy and his brother to church. And he said they, the little boy's eyes were huge and amazed and what was going on in there. And it was, it was just a fascinating scene for him. They had drums and people and grandmas hugging him and all kinds of stuff. And they sat down. And, and the, the guy that had brought him, the pastor, he said, the, the associate, he said the whole time that you know, everything was going on, the kid's eyes were just huge. He could tell he was really amazed. So it was kind of fun to watch him. And he said, but then when the men came up front and started to pass the plates, the boy looked really confused. 
Didn't understand what that was about. And people started putting money in, and I even looked more confused. And, but then apparently the little boy had a bit of a revelation. He thought, well, and he shared this later, but when someone gives you a gift, Jesus gave the free gift of grace to all these people, you know, they want to give something back. So he assumed that that was their motivation. Wouldn't we like to hope that that was so? But anyway, he, he started searching him on himself. Of course, he didn't have any money. He shook his brother down. He didn't have no dough. So he's in a situation. He's got nothing to give. The plates get to him. He's holding on to the plates like crazy. That's making everybody nervous. What's this kid doing? All right? So finally, the, the guy's like, you got to let that go. You can't have that. They think he wants to take the money. Finally, he lets it go. But even after it gets gone, he's like watching, watching as it moves to the back of the sanctuary. He's watching that thing. And so the guy's like, what is he doing? And then all of a sudden, and before he could even get a hand on him, the kid jumps up and works his way out of the pew. And he runs to the back of the church. Now everybody's watching. Look at this kid that brother whoever brought, you know. And I don't know why I had to put brother on him. <laughs> Just felt like that kind of church. And he, and he ran back there. And he, he said the kid, what did he do? But he took the offering plate away from the usher. Just jerked the plate right out of his hands. Now everybody's like, oh boy. But what did he do? But he did exactly this. He took the plate and he set it in the floor. And he stepped inside. You too. Still gets you too. You know why I did that, Daddy? Because Jesus loves me. I think we should tear that wall down. That should be the plan. No one should have to live inside those walls. Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. And that's how I plan to live. I would live to tell. And hope. I'll hope that this thing called the church starts moving into the destiny that God pre-planned for us. Not this church, but certainly this church, but the church. Let it be so. I wonder this morning, Robbie's going to sing an amazing song that he himself has written, right? A little bit about what it'll be like when we get to the end of this thing. And I ain't messed up about that either, man. Come quick, Lord Jesus. Or is it quickly? But I was wondering if maybe we could do this just as a response. And if you need specific prayer about something specific, I guess that's how that works. Feel free to approach one of us that are here. And we got BJ and Tara up here this morning. They got to sit instead of stand as these guys are, are, but would be happy to pray with you. Mitch and Lee are up here. There are others that would be happy to come and pray with you if there's something specific. But other than that, and, and I would ask you just to approach us, but other than that, I would say this, that, Could we make the laminate this morning a bit of an offering plate or box? And I don't want you to do anything out of duty. And maybe you'd say, you know, I'm already there. I'm in there. I'm good. And that's fine. I don't need to see you. I don't want us to do an exercise this morning. 
There's no big L's or little L's here. But if in your response to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you would just want to say, and you need to do that, and you would know if that's so, count me in. Or if maybe you've been living inside the walls, and you'd like to get out for real. There's a little space here. Infinite amounts of space there. So as they sing this song, I would just invite you to transact on the grace of God. In Jesus' name. I'll come back in just a moment and, and pray a prayer over us as we go our way. A whole lot of the response to this word, frankly, it's out there. But sing this over us, man. And you guys respond, however the Lord says.